Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Jake Halpern here. If you've ever wondered what it's like to make a true crime podcast like Deep Cover, well, now's your chance to find out. Join me and my friend Dana Goodyear, who's the host of Pushkin's Lost Hills podcast, on March 16th for a digital conversation on true crime storytelling. We'll talk about how we make our stories dramatic and accurate and how we navigate all the ethical dilemmas that we face in the process. Get your tickets now at momenthouse.com backslash D-C-L-H. That's momenthouse.com slash D-C-L-H. Hi, this is Allie Wentworth, host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. Comedian Amy Schumer. As far as cancel culture goes, I think that the people who are the most afraid and complaining about cancel culture are the ones who are in danger of being canceled and they need to take a look at themselves. I agree with you. You know, I'm not worried about it because I know my intentions and I know that I'm like open to evolving. Listen to Go Ask Allie every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hello, everybody out there in the podcast universe or podverse, as I just now named it. Welcome to another episode of the Office Deep Dive. As always, it's me, that's right, your host, 
Brian Baumgartner coming at you with a very special end of the year edition of the podcast because we did it, guys. We made it through another year. And as a New Year's treat, today I've got another call-in episode lined up for you because, look, I'll admit it, I can't get enough of you. That's what she said. Uh, But I mean that, truly. It has been so incredible to hear from you and talk to you. So thank you, all of you who reached out. We got so many calls. Thank you for taking the time to connect with us. And you know what? I'm just going to go right into it. Yeah. So I would like to welcome right now you my listeners, to the very last episode of 2021, an episode starring, well, you. So let's see, who do we have calling in today? Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. How's it going, Brian? Thank you for having me on the show. This is very nice. It's lovely to see you. Anyways, I have a question about Kevin here. Throughout the whole show, Kevin got way dumber. <laughs> You know, in the first like one episode, not one episode, it's one season, second season, he was stupid. Yes. Slow. Yeah. But he seemed to morph into this borderline mentally disabled person. And and I was just curious because you, not you called out, but uh, what Oscar and Angela called out when uh, you're talking with the, uh, you know, why use big word when small word do trick. You know, he's gotten worse over the years, but I was just curious if that is, was an intentional thing done by either you or the writing staff, or if it just morphed over the nine years that you guys were on air into that. And if that was a conscious decision that you made to make him dumber slowly, or if it just, you kind of got more into the character as the story went on, and that was actually how the character was supposed to be played the entire time. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm going to shake your hand now. Shake, shake, shake. We just shook hands. Can you believe it, Mom? All right. <laughs> Bye. We just shook hands. Nick, thank you for your question. Look, this has been brought up a lot, especially if you go onto the deep, dark web that is Reddit. Um, the original character description of Kevin when they were casting, the casting noticed, said, the only thing remarkable about Kevin is that he is remarkably un." remarkable. So that's where we started from. And I think we found over time that there were in fact, some remarkable things about Kevin. So yes, Kevin morphs really, it was the writing. The writers fell in love with, let's just call it Kevin's childlike sensibility. And so my nerdy, I've talked about this before, but my nerdy actory justification for this was when the camera crew, when the documentary crew began to film Dunder Mifflin, Kevin was very nervous and much more 
reserved. And then as he became more comfortable with the cameras being in the office, maybe he went out with a beer or two with some of the crew guys, more of his true personality came out. Now, that's my justification. I think the reality was the writers fell in love with that sort of childlike sensibility and leaned into it. Also, Kevin was used as one of the characters for physical comedy, which has a tendency to, well, let's just say dumb up a character. Uh, And in fact, when Steve Carell left, I was told by Paul Lieberstein and some of the other writers that they were going to even more lean into Kevin and uh, physical comedy because Steve Carell was gone, who was helming a lot of the physical comedy. So there's the answer, Nick. It wasn't really conscious, but it did evolve because of how the writers were writing the role. So he started as remarkably unremarkable, and I think he ended, um, well, something quite different. But thanks, Nick. And here's, here's your handshake back. Hi, Brian. My name is Randy. I live in Santa Rosa, California. Big fan of The Office, of course. I wanted to tell you my three grandsons are also, they're ages 12, 15, and 18. They also love the show. And um, I was wondering how many takes typical scene would would be done. And I guess it would depend on the different directors. Um, it, it, there seems to be so much going on in a scene, so many different people involved in a given scene that to do very many takes would be kind of hard. So what would you say the average number of takes was for a scene? Well, thanks, Randy. And let me tell you on a personal note, the fact that you're a grandfather and you're a fan of the show and you have grandkids that are fans of the show, I think that is, well, to quote Kevin, awesome. You know, that's an impossible question to answer. It really depended upon the complexity of the scene. And as you said, the number of people, and actually the number of people that were in a scene increased the number of takes that would be required to shoot it because they needed to make sure that everybody was covered. Um, Largely, it depended on two factors. One, how many takes were lost because people were laughing. That is just, that is just the truth. And I, my mind goes to the conference room scenes and Steve Carell, Michael Scott at the front scenes like prison, Mike, those were incredibly difficult. The more improv that he and others did that caught the rest of us off balance, the smiles and the laughs came. So that was one and two, how much improv was done. So because we were shooting the show for NBC, a mega conglomerate corporation, you know, everything we said had to be approved. So the script as written was always shot because if it, if it wasn't on the page, we may not get approval for it and then we would be in trouble. So everything as written was shot because it was, had been approved by the network and this band of people called standards and practices, which ensure that nothing naughty gets on the air or at least not too naughty. Um, but then we were always, every scene we were given a free pass, a pass to play and improv. And depending on how successful the scene was working, depending on how successful actors were able to improvise or writers were able to pitch new jokes, the scene would happen more. But, you know, because of that, 
That's why on the DVDs and now on Peacock, there are so many additional scenes that were that were cut. Our first assembly, they called it, was about 45 minutes. And when you think about running time on NBC, that was 22 minutes. So on average, we had a double episode shot, and then they had to cut it down to 22. I know that's not an answer, Randy, exactly how many takes. Just remember this, the chili scene, one take. That's really all you need to know. Hi, Brian. This is Steve Schrader. Listening to your podcast today, I heard about um, your request to hear from listeners. So this is my uh, first I'd like to say, I guess, is one, um, I love your podcast. Big fan. Obviously, big fan of The Office. Um, You were also, I've already um, pre-bought the book, pre-ordered the book, and um, you were kind enough to do a cameo for my wife for her birthday, I want to say a couple years ago now, um, with Chili. So thank you. So I'm a big fan. Um, my question is to you, and uh, there is no, certainly no one besides you that could play Kevin, but I'm always interested in what the actor themselves think of who would they like to see try to play that character if it wasn't them. So that's my question to you. Um, if, if it wasn't you playing Kevin, hard to even think of anybody else playing it, who would you think you would like to see or who you know, maybe several people you would like to see like Kevin. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Steve. Thank you for your question. By the way, you hit the triumvirate. All right. You're a fan of the podcast, which I can't thank you enough for. You now have the book. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, by the way, as I speak right now, four weeks in a row on the New York Times bestseller list. So I want to thank not just you, but everybody who has supported the book. It's so exciting to me personally, uh, that so many people are, are reading it are reading what I wrote. And then of course, cameo, thank you for your support there as well. So who else would I like to see play Kevin? George Clooney, I think would be my answer, but I, I don't know, Steve, that's so difficult, but I will tell you a story. I don't know if you know this when Steve Carell left the show. We had a big party, and Allison Jones, our amazing casting director, came up to me and she said, well, you know, I was looking for some mementos to give Steve, you know, now that he's he's leaving. I didn't find something that great, but I thought you would be interested in this. And it was a single sheet of paper with three names. It said Kevin Malone, and then it was the three actors that in the end they were considering for the role. And it was myself. It was Eric Stone Street, and it was Jorge Garcia. Eric Stone Street obviously went on uh, to Modern Family. Jorge Garcia went on to Lost, amongst other things. Uh, and I uh, framed that piece of paper, and it is it is it is in my office because I think it's so cool, and I'm such a fan of both of them. So, who knows? You could have had Eric Stone Street or Jorge Garcia as Kevin Malone on The Office. Um, But that's who could have done it. Who I want, who I would have wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. George Clooney. Hello, Office Deep Dive, and hello, Brian. So good to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, obviously a huge fan of The Office. My name is Kendrick, and 
I just had a question that I've always been wondering ever since listening to the podcast. And that question is, how do the actors and I guess anybody working on the set de-stress after stressful moments during filming? Because I bet there was a lot of stressful times uh, during filming the show and moments that people would feel stressed, you know, including you or any other actor. And I just want to know what your methods were, or what other actors' methods are when these times are stressful. I mean, do you just go to your trailer and meditate or do you do exercise? Uh, like, what do you do on set there when you start to feel stressed? Thank you so much. Kendrick, great question. Thank you for listening. Look, I might be a little different. I- I'll-, I'll tell you this. How I de-stress in my normal life now is I play golf. There's been a lot of discussion about me and golf, and I play as much golf as I can. Unfortunately, it's not as much as I would like, but but I always say that for the four hours or whatever that I'm out there, for me, I become singularly focused on one thing, which is getting the ball in the hole. that's what she said. I don't know. That wasn't even intentional. Um, but that's all I think about. So everything else that's going on in work or in personal life or whatever else, it goes away for the time that I'm out there. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm sort of back to it. So I tell you that because similarly on the office, it wasn't about going and being alone or meditating because I think my feeble brain would just ruminate on whatever was stressing me out. And and look, we were there 12 to 14 hours a day for five days, which is a long time, and it becomes difficult to get anything else done. Fatigue sets in. At times, because of our schedule, we were doing uh, 12, 13 episodes in a row, uh, which is very rare in television. It stresses everybody out. You know, you have to find props for the next episode. The writers have to keep up with scripts. All of those things have to happen. But to answer your question, I played Madden football. That's what I did. I played John Madden football with John Krasinski over lunch. And that doesn't seem like a de-stressor. But again, for me, during that 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, my focus was just on beating John. That's it. Beating John and not, (laughs) there was nothing else going on in my head. So there's your answer. John Madden football, the greatest de-stressor for this actor on The Office. Brian, thank you so much for doing The Office Deep Dive. It was fantastic hearing all the interviews and I'm stoked to hear that you're coming out with a new podcast. Well, The Office meant so much to me because during my darkest times or times when I was feeling down, The Office was my happy place. I've watched The Office all the way through probably nine or ten times. I got to the point where I've stopped counting. But the one funny story or really interesting thing that I really wanted to bring up is that for my 30th birthday, the Dirty 30, I had no idea that this was happening. But I happened to be wearing my Dunder Mifflin t-shirt and my wife brought me over to my friend's house who I thought was a party for somebody else. And it turned out that it was a surprise birthday party that was office themed. It had the banner that says it is your birthday. All the food was office themed pizza by Alfredo and all that stuff, you know, and it was fantastic. But the coolest thing, the icing on the cake was that I had no idea that cameo was a thing. And my wife said, hey, we've got something for you. 
and they turned on the TV and it was a cameo video of you sending me a birthday message. And I, <laughs> I don't know, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but it was so cool. I had no idea that that was happening. And just to, uh, to see your face and to tell me happy birthday, happy dirty 30. That was fantastic. And it really. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. It was a highlight of my life, really. And I just want to say thank you for that. And um, I enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Sam, 
Thank you so much. It means a lot for you to tell me that story. You know, people ask me about the work I do on Cameo all the time. And it's stories like that 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 make me keep doing it. Um, I appreciate it. Look, I I what I try to do is is not make it about me, but it's it's about it's about you, Sam. It's it's your birthday, it's your graduation, it's your wedding. And if that brings you to a moment in time that you remember the show, that you have fond memories about Kevin Malone or any of the other actors or scenes or moments on the show, if that brings you to a happy place, well, Sam, then I'm happy. So thanks for telling me that story. My best to you. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to be back, baby, in 2022 with even more podcast fun. It's a hard time for hiring. So you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. Listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest season of the Next Question with Katie Couric podcast, Katie dives into, well, Katie. Hear exclusive podcast-only conversations between Katie and the people who made her memoir, Going There, possible. We spent a lot of time together uh, around a dining room table here and in the city, and 
you know, it it was a very intense experience. All episodes of Next Question with Katie Couric are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Brian. So I had a situation at work that arose the day after I listened to your part three episode with Greg Daniels. And in that episode, Greg mentioned a situation that arose when Chili's said they would not let you produce the episode if Pam was was drunk and intoxicated and I guess threw up in the episode. They said they would not let you produce that episode. And um, Greg turned to Steve and uh, Steve basically figured it out. As a creative improv person, he said, okay, we can do this. We can figure this out. So at my job, I am a theater artist and uh, actually a dance teacher and a theater artist And so we are putting together a dance concert for the weekend and we get some props from our technical director that just don't work. And we have a couple of days before the show opens and not a lot of time to rehearse with them. So I was starting to get very frustrated. And instead of letting myself get super frustrated, that that episode just clicked into my brain. It, It like I had just listened to it and it went, I thought, be Steve Carell in this moment figure out how to make this work. How can you make this work? So I said that out loud. I said, okay, guys, we have to go with the flow here. How can we make this work? And so my students and I came up with uh, an option that actually worked better than our original option. We, We modified the props ourselves and we made it work. So I wanted to thank you for that interview. And the whole podcast, of course, is just amazing. I listen to it all the time. But that interview especially just made me a little less stressed that day. So I appreciate it. And I'm going to carry that with me. Thanks. Alyssa, between you and I and everybody listening, we could all be a little bit more like Steve Carell every day. And we'd be we'd be better off. Um to remind people or let people know what Alyssa's talking about. Yes, we were two, three days into full production days from shooting the first Dundee's episode at Chili's. The script had been written. The script was not altered, but there were some executives from Chili's who were there and did not like Pam getting drunk at Chili's and basically were told you can't do that. And the entire episode, of course, with Pam getting a little tipsy and eventually kissing Jim was a central, central part of that episode. So yes, Steve in the moment said, okay, let's absolve Chili's. Let's shoot a couple of times where she's not over served, but where she's stealing drinks and let's have her be banned for life for doing that. And that ended up appeasing the good folks at Chili's. And um, obviously, we ended up going to Chili's a couple of more times throughout the run of the show. So that all worked out. Yeah, you know, listen, Steve is 
to me, the greatest improviser of all time. And that's why right there, he does it when he's acting. His creative mind is always on story, in character, and, and better than what anyone else can come up with. And yeah, he saved that episode for sure. So I'm glad you were able to use that lesson. And I said it as a joke, but I really mean it. Watching Steve Carell, if you're an artistic person, do what he does will make you a better artist or creative thinker. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Hi, Brian. This is Tom Elliott over in the UK with some thoughts for your listener feedback show. Now, you always ask your guests why they think that The Office is more popular now than ever. And I can't answer that question for the US, but I can maybe answer that question for a section of that audience over here in the UK. Because my experience with becoming a fan of your show is an experience that I've heard echoed over and over again by other British people in the last year or two. Because the UK version of The Office, it, it was a game changer over here. You know, it really changed the face of British comedy. And pretty much everyone loved that show. So when I heard that there was going to be a US version, I, like a lot of other people over here, rolled my eyes and thought, uh-oh, here we go. You know, we didn't have high hopes for it. So I wasn't expecting good things, but I thought, you know what, I'll watch the pilot and see how they do. And then I watched the pilot. Now, I learned on your podcast why Greg chose to remake the British pilot to stop the network giving notes. But unfortunately, as a British viewer watching one of our crown jewels of television being remade in that way, it instantly turned me off. Because no disrespect to anyone involved, but I think when something was so seminal and so perfectly done the first time round, Whoever tries to then recreate that just has a huge mountain to climb in terms of winning an audience over, no matter how talented they are. So I, like a lot of my compatriots, turned off the American office at that point and didn't look back and then promptly just forgot about it. So one day I put Netflix on my TV and I see that they've put the American office on there. And I noticed that there's nine seasons and I'm asking myself, how could they have made nine seasons of this thing? How is that even possible? But also my curiosity has peaked at this point because as you know, the British show has 12 episodes and two specials. So what could they have been doing for nine years on the US show? I guess they must have been doing something right. So I watched the pilot again and you know, it was what it was, but it also been 20 years now since the UK office, so I'm a little less precious about it, and I decided to just carry on. And I find that the further out I get from that pilot, the more I'm warming to this show and these characters. And now it wasn't so much about making a negative comparison to the British show, it was actually interesting to see where you guys would take it, to see your show evolve and take on its own identity until we're actually at the point where each version justifies its own existence because they are the same but different. But that original question, why is the American office more popular now than ever? And as your guests have said, 
There are many, many reasons for that. But I think from my corner of the world, one of the reasons why it's popular here now is that we almost had to forget about it to then rediscover it. And I guess we also had to get over ourselves a bit as well because the existence of one takes nothing away from the other. And instead of having one classic show in the British version, we now have two classic shows because the American version is a classic too. So everybody wins. There's just there's just more of it to love now. And what's wrong with that, you know? So anyway, that's my thoughts on it. Thanks for a great show, Brian. And I look forward to many more episodes to come. Tom, thank you so much for your thoughtful comments. <laughs> Truly, I wish I had interviewed you before the book came out and before the, <laughs> I did all of these interviews for the podcast. You're very, very insightful. You know, look, we've talked about it quite a bit, but I, I think what you say is probably 100% spot on. I mean, you cannot believe, and those of you who were not watching the show or aware of what was going on back in 2004, five, maybe you weren't born yet, the amount of hate and vitriol for our show and the fact that it even existed, I mean, not to bring up the sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. But yes, Steve told me that when he told Paul he was coming in to read for it, Paul said, don't do it. Don't do it. And that's that wasn't rare. I mean, now it seems silly, but at the time, there were people who would not do the show because of the British version and how loved and beloved it had become, not just in the UK, but over here in the States by the time our show was on the air. So I think it's very interesting, Tom, that that you talk about that distance. And I also think it's interesting your response to, to the pilot episode. And that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, now I go on a variety television show or, you know, some program. It happened this week, actually, for me. I, I appeared on a show. And so often people want me to recreate a scene from the office. And what I say to them is, no, no, we, we can't do that. What we, what we have to do is if you want to nod towards it, let's nod lightly. People will get the joke, but let's do our own interpretation of that joke, be it sitting on Santa's lap or spilling chili for me to attempt to recreate that moment that exists is always going to pale in comparison. And so I think it's very interesting what you say, being so familiar, being such a huge fan in the UK of the British version, uh, to see uh, us, for lack of a better term, try to just imitate that. Yeah, I'm sure for you, it would pale in comparison. So thank you for your comments. I still haven't discovered quite the reason why I think we've got a, a lot of great answers. It's probably a combination of many things, but your perspective from the folks in the UK are very, very interesting. So thanks, Tom, for your comments. And, and thank you so much for listening. Hey, Brian. My name is Selmia from New York City. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. And I have to say that 
during the pandemic and during work from home. I pretty much have the office on 24-7 in the background while I'm doing work. So in many ways, I feel like I work at Dunder Mifflin. Um, I wanted to shout out the episodes you had with the hair and makeup team. I thought that was such a unique perspective. And it was great to hear from some really empowering female voices that the fans don't get to hear from a lot. So I thought their stories were really touching. And it's great to see how close they were with the cast. Um, my question for you is what's kind of next for this podcast? I know a lot of these interviews are going to be featured in your upcoming book. Um, but now that the book is coming out, like what's next? Do you see the podcast continuing? Are you going to pivot into something else? Um, I know you have that sweet, sweet cameo money. So, you know, you don't really need the day job. But what's kind of next for you and, you know, Kevin Malone in 2022? Thanks so much. Hey, Salmia, thank you so much shouting me out from New York City, which uh, I've been in a lot recently, so it's becoming my second home. In fact, thanks for your comments about Laverne, Debbie, Kim, the hair and makeup people. They were some of my favorite conversations. And, you know, look, the, the hours that we spent together and the intense times that we had, as, as they said, they were, they were part therapist, part, part confidant, part everything. Uh, it was great to be able to sit down and, and spend some time uh, with them and hear their perspective on the show. Uh, what's next? For 2022, well, I guess I guess that's simple. Off the Beat, a new podcast right here. You can still find it right here on the Office Deep Dive feed. But as you know, we've talked to so many folks from the office, and we'll continue to talk to some more. But really, we're going to expand and talk about television, all of television, other shows in television, classic shows. We'll start with some folks who had appearances on The Office, but focus on some of their other work. I'm interested in focusing on the moments that happened off the beat, not the moments that everyone else has heard about 257,000 times, but moments in their career or on their shows that we haven't heard about before. Because as a French director I once worked with told me that comedy happens off the beat. It's the unexpected moments that are often the most pleasurable and the most important. So we will be back right here, same bat channel, same bat time. I guess there's no time in podcasts, but we're going to keep talking to folks in television and maybe some sports as well about the moments that happened for these people that you know and love that, well, maybe you've never heard before. Greetings, Mr. Bumgarner. My name is Marcus, and I am a longtime fan of The Office. I actually stumbled across the show because when it premiered, I already had the habit of watching must-see must TV on Thursdays, back since Seinfeld was on. So I was an immediate fan. But one thing you do is you often ask your guests what makes The Office even more popular today than it was back then when it originally aired. Well, I was one of those people who uh, bought the seasons on iTunes when they dropped. Back in the 2000s, I was in the U.S. Navy, and I was in and out of the country quite a lot. I did miss big chunks. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Thanks to some of the earliest seasons. So I would often binge them over and over again on my laptop or, or whatever I had access to. But even more important, when I was deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan multiple times between 2007 and 2012, I didn't have reliable internet and streaming wasn't a thing. Um, I didn't have Netflix streaming, anything like that. And I'd watch entire seasons on my laptop straight through, just from start to beginning and then repeat uh, every time I wasn't actually working. Imagine a dark tent, some dusty place, dirty, hot, miserable, me lying on a cot, you know, or sometimes just a piece of plywood tucked in my sleeping bag, laptop resting on my stomach, headphones on. So hopefully I wouldn't disturb my neighbor sleeping only a few feet away, you know, watching Brian go for the record, stuffing M&Ms in his mouth or Stanley yelling, did I stutter at Michael or Pam holding her first art show? I can't count how many times I stifled a tear or definitely a laugh. 
know, to not, again, not wake up the person next to me, but also, you know, watching these shows actually kept me sane. And a lot of it has to do with that whole, I think you've talked about a lot, that office environment, that just normal people. That's what I wanted to feel was normal. So thank you for giving us a peek behind the curtain. Through your podcast, and I have to admit your sibling podcast as well, Office Ladies, both of your shows have really introduced us to all the creative masterminds that came together, like a perfect chili recipe to make The Office. Before I go, I wanted to say that the two of my favorite episodes of yours were the conversations with Ben Silverman and the one especially with Debbie Pierce and Kim Ferry. Both are examples of how deep you really dove. Mr. Silverman, having been there at the beginning, and it was really great to hear his side of the story and how things really came together. But even more, where else and who else would give equal time to makeup and hair? I would just love to learn how their department was organized and the challenges they face as well as their personal stories. You are a fantastic human being for sharing them with us. Thank you, sir. And I look forward to your next chapter. Marcus, you are a fantastic human being. Thank you, one, for your service. It's incredible to me knowing you were stationed abroad, Iraq, Afghanistan, fighting for all of us back home. And the visual image you paint of lying there on your cot in a hot and dusty place, getting some degree of joy out of our show. It is moving to me. It is incredible. It makes me so incredibly humbled and grateful to have been a part of a show that was able to give you specifically, Marcus, a respite for what you were, what you were enduring at that time. So Thank you so much for your call. And yeah, Ben Silverman is the man. There is no doubt about that. But you know what? Debbie Pierce is the man. And Kim Ferry and Laverne Caracusi Malazzo. And everyone was important. And that is what we have tried to show on this show. What we wanted to to have you experience all of the good people in every position down the line. Everybody had a part to play. And so thank you. The fact that those two episodes are what you called out. I love I, that. That gives me such incredible joy. You can't even imagine. So Marcus, God bless you. Thank you again. And, uh, and thanks for listening and keep listening. And by the way, whenever we do this again, Marcus, you have the bat phone. Whenever you want to call, if you have anything to say, uh, you're on, my friend. God bless and be well and happy, happiest of New Year's to you. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Dutton. And I'm Elizabeth Dutton. Oh, wait, sorry. Zarin, do you want to say your name? No, I'm good. Go, go ahead. We're the hosts of Ridiculous Crime. People love true crime, right? The mystery, the intrigue, the human frailty. Totally. But what a lot of us don't like is the blood and the guts and the mayhem. Wait, 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 wait. Some of us do like the mayhem. <laughs> okay. But let's be real. There's nothing funny about murder. Okay, that's right. Our show gives you stories like the kidnapping of Frank Sinatra Jr. and the Max Headroom signal hijacking. 
Oh, so you mean ridiculous stories like the UK cat shaver and Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. Yeah, stories like the dudes who stole Buzzy the animatronic whatever he was from Disney World and the woman whose husband tried to kill her but came back from the dead and surprised him at her own funeral. Yeah, that does sound good. You can find this new podcast, Ridiculous Crime, all over the place. The iHeartRadio app, the Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know how you live. Ridiculous Crime. From Cavalry Audio, the studio that brought you The Devil Within and The Shadow Girls, comes a new true crime podcast, The Pink Moon Murders. The local sheriff believes there may be more than one killer. It's been four days since those bodies were found, and there's no arrest as of this morning. They were afraid, especially out in that area. What if they come back or whatever? It scared me to death. Like, it scared me. I was very, very intimidated to live here. Crazy to think you go to sleep one night, maybe snuggling with your loved one, and never wake up. Or maybe you wake up in a struggle for your life, which you lose. Join host David Ratterman as he explores one fateful night when evil descended upon small-town Ohio. Killed eight members of an Ohio family in a pre-planned execution. A family was targeted, most of them targeted while they were sleeping. The Pink Moon Murders is available on February 22nd, and you can follow The Pink Moon Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations, we be the endless podcast. Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brian and team, I really love your show and look forward to it every week. In listening to the Ed Helms part two episode, he mentioned that the most common question he gets about The Office is why he thinks the show is so popular with kids and young people. His response was to ask them. I think it's a great idea. I wonder if you could do an episode where you talk to young fans about the show and explore why they like it so much and why it resonates with them. Thanks for doing the podcast. Well, well, well. Ask and you shall receive. Thank you, Elizabeth. Honestly, so many of you called in to talk about just that, why the office resonates so much with young people, which by the way, it warms my heart that the question that I asked so many of my guests is one that you all have thought about too. So I guess, um, well, I'm going to give you a little taste of some of the theories that came my way. Brian Baumgartner, oh my goodness. <laughs> Hello, everybody at the Office Deep Dive team. I'm, I'm a teenager, and you often ask your guests on the show why they think young people watch it. I feel like not only is it a, obviously an amazing comedy with jokes that hold up, but I feel like it is set up like the lives that the current kids today live. Children today constantly have cameras in their faces and are talking to cameras. Um, And I feel like The Office is relatable to their generation for this. It almost runs like a YouTube show where you have somebody doing silly things and then performing for a camera, which is also what kids I feel like deal with in their own homes. It's medicine. 
there are so many times that I've watched The Office when I've needed a laugh or I have anxiety or I'm sick or there's just nothing else that sounds good on TV. I have been watching The Office since I was six years old. The Office has meant so much to me um, over the years. Anytime that I was going through something really hard and I could not bring myself to smile, I could always put on The Office and it was just so familiar and comforting and safe and pleasant and even moments where I was in deep depression or sadness or pain and nothing could make me smile, I could sit down and watch The Office and get at least one little grin out of me. And I think it's because it's so real. A lot of these times these days, people just want that real connection. And it's hard to find that with social media and everything. And The Office, they just, they're just real people. And people really connect to that. And also, like, really romanticizes office life, the show does. I feel like I didn't picture myself working in an office before, but now I do. But I didn't even... I, wouldn't even know what I would do at the office. I just picture myself there just because of the office. I think that kids or whatever varying age identify with that because it's kind of like what growing up is like, that you don't always have a say in what you're subjected to and you don't always have control over your life. And you feel like even if you're right or wrong, who knows, but that you, you just know you're right and what you want and need in that moment is right and that you can't help uh, the the situation, the outcome, regardless of your position or uh, you know, like desire, whatever it is at the moment. So I think that's why kids like it and 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 identify with Jim having to roll his eyes at Michael's ridiculousness or the insanity that is Robert California's. You know, who knows what he's pulling out at the moment. Anyway, thanks. Love the podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic and huge fan. Um, and yeah, uh, go Braves! <laughs> wow. You guys, thank you so much to all of you. Thank you, uh, Zephy. Thank you, Katie, Avi. Thank you, Kayla, Sela. I appreciate you and Tyler. Go Dodgers. But thank you for calling in and, well, for giving me your thoughts as to why the show is so relatable to young people. You're all, well, you're all way smarter than I am. Hi, Brian. My name is Sarah Atchison, and I'm sharing with you my answer for a question that you often ask your guests. Why do these young children really love The Office so much? What is it about it that makes them love it? And my answer is pretty simple. It's straight up indoctrination. Let me explain. I watched The Office while it was airing on TV, and I was in junior high, high school, and then college by the time it wrapped. The Office just became my go-to show. Much like Billie Eilish, I always have it on. It's on in the background while I work during the day. I listen to it while I clean or while I'm out exercising. It's something that I can always depend on for a laugh and to make me feel good. That means that when I was pregnant with my children, I watched a lot of The Office, and in utero, they did too. So all of my babies were born knowing the theme song. 
they would respond. They recognized it when uh, we would be holding them and watching the show. The theme song would play, and they would perk up, and they knew the song. And all those late nights and late night feedings, I would pop on the office while I fed my kids. And I think that we really just from the start uh, gave them a reason to associate the office with comfort and peace and safety and laughter and joy. And now my three-year-old knows the office. She announces when anyone comes over that we're watching the office because we're always watching. And my one-year-old, when the theme song comes on, immediately begins to smile and dance. And they don't understand the jokes, but they know the characters. But yeah, it's brainwashing. We've indoctrinated them. That's definitely why all these young kids like The Office now. And I do have one question, Brian, um, on Peacock, the home of The Office now. Uh, they've started releasing the Superfan episodes, which are longer uh, cuts, putting in deleted scenes. And I'm curious if you've watched the Superfan episodes and if you have any thoughts. Some of them, the deleted scenes inform or maybe even shift storylines a little bit. And I'm curious if you have an opinion on uh, breaking canon or if that's just an addition and giving us more light and insight into all these characters. Thank you for what you do. And now I'm going to go and watch some more of The Office. <laughs> uh, Sarah, uh, I love your indoctrination theory. Um, let's go with it. I love it. Uh, the in utero late night feedings that they associate with comfort and happiness. That is, well, that's awesome. So then you have a really great question about the extended episodes. So look, the short answer is no, I have not gone to Peacock now. So in doing all this preparation for uh, the podcast, for writing the book, I went back and watched everything in order. I watched the run in order and then watched uh, some episodes. When I was about to talk to somebody, I would I would watch some of their sort of signature episodes again, either episodes they'd written or directed or, or important acting episodes uh, for them. So I watched it quite a bit. I have not gone back, but I have seen on the DVDs, they released a lot of deleted scenes and some extended episodes. Your question about the canon, though, is where I'm going to focus because Greg Daniels had the same question as we were shooting. Does a webisode, does, does information that you get from a webisode, does that become part of the canon? Does a scene that was shot but never aired, does that become a part of the canon? Now, I think in some cases, Scenes that were shot, and I would say it, this is a rare exception, but in some cases, a scene that were was shot maybe didn't make it because we weren't sure we wanted that information to come out about the character, or we, we didn't want the character to necessarily go in that direction, or maybe it felt sort of inconsistent with the character that, that had been created or that was going to come up in the future. Uh, something different for that character. So um, that doesn't really answer the question, but I will tell you that there was a, a Bible, a show Bible that had the answers to all of those things up in the writer's room. And when they had a question about something, 
they would go back and one, find out where a character may have stood on a particular issue in the past or, you know, what a character's arc or journey had been from the beginning of the show. And there were mentions as to whether or not that information had gotten actually aired. It may have been written. It may have been shot. It may have been even in the first cut, but it was impossible for me, by the way, to even remember for Kevin, if something had actually aired or not. So I tended to, I think Greg tended to, for the most part, fall on the side of if it was shot, then it's part of the Bible. So I'd be interested though, to know if you or any others have found moments that have been added back in that now bring up inconsistencies. That would be interesting for me. Thanks, Sarah. Hi, Brian. My name is Maggie. I'm a high schooler and I'm from Fairport, New York. Um, The Office means so much to me. I really think it's one of the comfort shows I go to and it got me through COVID and I'm probably one of the biggest fans I know. I love the show. I know everything about the characters and I just love it so much. My question for you is when Michael leaves, he shows Kevin the poster of the cherub. Do you still have that poster? And if so, where did you put it? Anyways, I would love to be featured on your podcast. And I'm just such a huge, huge fan. And it would make my world if I got a chance to speak with you. Maggie, thank you so much. I do have a poster. Um, I haven't, I, I will admit to you, I have a box of some memorabilia that has not actually been framed or hung on a wall as of yet. That falls into that category. But I know I have it because I remember the discussion that I had when I took it, which was someone asked if I wanted a copy of the poster. And I said, no, I want that copy of the poster. And it was the poster that Steve, well, that Michael slash Steve had had ripped in half. And he didn't want to give it to me. Because, see, the prop people, they believe that any prop that's ever used will have to be used again. So there are warehouses. I mean, maybe now they've gotten rid of it, or maybe it's in the office experience in Chicago there, where any prop that was used in an episode, they thought, well, maybe we'll need it again. And so they didn't want to give it up. I convinced them in this particular case that they could rip another one similarly enough if for some reason it ever had to make an appearance on the show. Uh, but yes, I have the cherub poster. I have the cherub poster. Thanks for listening, Maggie. Hi, Brian. My name is Adeline and I'm from Rochester, New York. And we're going on maybe the fourth time trying this just because I'm terrible at recording things like this. Um, I'm 24 and I started watching The Office um, as it aired so at the time, I was probably in fourth grade. And um, I'll never forget watching the finale. I put it off for a long time. Um, it wasn't the same year that I, I graduated high school, but I, I think it was maybe getting close to when I was going to be graduating and just a big change and knowing I'm going to go away to college and feeling like a chapter of my life was ending and feeling like I grew up with the office and grew up with it by my side and... I had it there for everything, you know, and when I knew it was coming to an end, it almost felt like I was going off on my own. Um, 
and starting starting my own, you know, life. And I'm not going to have an office to lean back on almost in a way. And, you know, you are trying to answer the question of, you know, why is it so popular right now and why do people love it? And the obvious answer is the fact that it's more popular now because it's more accessible on Netflix. And you, well, I mean, now it's not on Netflix, but it was on Netflix and now it's on Peacock and you can watch it and you can binge it. But I think, you know, the real kind of deeper answer is that it makes you feel like you're a part of something and you go to it because you know what you're going to get and you get that comfort and you get that stability of feeling like that it's always going to be there for you. Um, it's your support system. If you need to cry, you know which episode to watch. Obviously, if you need a laugh and you need to feel good. But yeah, just I thank you for doing this podcast because it allows me to continue getting that same emotional connection that I had with the show. It's just, you know, more content in a different way. And I think it speaks to me now being an adult and how I consume the content, you know, differently in this different part of my life. So thank you. Um, you all mean the world to me more than you will ever know. Well, Adeline, the third time was the charm. Thank you for your incredibly thoughtful and moving message. I appreciate your thoughts and I appreciate uh, you telling me that the podcast has brought you back in a way to experience the show in a new way and a deeper way. Like it's the first time again. So thank you so much. God bless. Happy new year to you, Adeline. And here's, uh, here's for more in 2022. Hello, my name is Cecilia Boyle and I'm from New Jersey. I am 10 years old and will probably be one of the youngest kids on this podcast. Um, my favorite scene with Kevin in it is where he goes when Oscar comes back and after Michael kisses him and then Kevin goes, how was your vacation, Oscar? And uh, my question to Kevin slash Brian is if you could change anything with any of uh, Kevin's relationships with his coworkers or even change something about Kevin's backstory, what would it be? Well, Cecilia, thank you for calling in. I think you've done it. I think you broke the record. I think 10 is the youngest. Uh, thank you for being such an articulate fan and uh, such a big fan of the show. I appreciate that. Is there anything that I would change about Kevin's backstory? I don't know about his backstory, but I wish that I wish that Kevin had found a little more loving. And I'll just phrase it like that. I really liked those episodes, particularly the the storyline around Valentine's Day and uh, Finding Lynn. I, I just feel really fortunate about the moments that I was able to play where Kevin has a small victory. So I wish that for him. I don't know so much about backstory, but I wish that for him. And and my hope for him now is in New Year's Eve 2021 to 2022, I hope that he is behind his bar. Let's call it Malone's in Scranton. And he's serving drinks, maybe having a few and having an absolutely great night. That's what I hope. Thanks, Cecilia. 
All right, everybody. That is that for today's call-in episode. Now, I don't want to be too cheesy, but when you work on something, really on any creative project, all you can hope is that, one, that people will see it and that they will respond to it. But the way that you fans have responded to The Office, I never even dreamed that that was possible. <laughs> never. In in mine or any of our wildest dreams did we believe that was possible. So thank you so much for sending in your thoughts, your stories, which are so moving, your comments, and of course, all of your love. Thank you. I feel it. I feel the love, and I am sending it right back to you. Have an incredible week. Well, have an incredible rest of the year, really. Be safe out there. And hey, guess what, guys? I will see you next year in 2022. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm so excited to be back with a third season of You and Me Both. When I started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. And here's what I know. We cannot get through this alone. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. This season, I'll be talking about the state of our democracy with experts and with people organizing on the ground. We'll draw inspiration from some amazing people like Olympic star Allison Felix and Grammy Award winner Brandi Carlisle. And we'll get into the hard stuff with writer Cheryl Strayed and my dear friend and colleague Huma Abedin. So join us, listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know that on the day Dr. King was shot, the all-black security detail normally assigned to him was called off? They're the ones who would not allow him to stay at any hotel with balconies. This is the MLK Tapes. The first episodes are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The art world, it is essentially a money laundering business. The best fakes are still hanging on people's walls, you know. They don't even know or suspect that they're fakes. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is a podcast about deception, greed, and forgery in the art world. I just walked in and saw this bright red painting presuming to be a Rothko. Of course, art forgeries only happen because there's money to be made. A lot of money. 
I'm listening to how, what they're paying for these things. It was incredible amounts of money. You knew the painting was fake. Um. Listen to Art Fraud on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.